Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Patient advocacy. It matters more, maybe now than ever before. Some people might lose their insurance. They might have to pay high medical bills. Others might not be able to afford medications. And still others might have problems trying, when things open up, trying to advocate for themselves, getting back in to see their many doctors, particularly if they have some complicated care needs that need to be addressed. Today we're going to talk about a unique area that some folks don't often think about. We're going to talk a little bit about patient advocacy. Now on the line we have Dr. Justin Grude. He is a physician who was part of Columbia University's joint program in international health with, I hope I say this correctly, Ben-Gurion University in Israel, internal medicine at Harvard, family medicine at University of Massachusetts, and he has a passion for helping people learn how to navigate what, oh, it's not just a little complex, it's a very complex healthcare system as both a patient and a consumer in our current medical world. We also have Tammy Rockhart. She is Rockholt. I'm sorry. She is a nurse with over 25 years of experience in the ER, critical care unit, neonatal intensive care unit, labor and delivery, who, after an unfortunate skiing accident, changed her life to be a nurse consultant and now is an expert in helping to understand something even I don't understand, medical billing. I want to thank both of you for joining me today on The Body Show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much, Kathy. We appreciate the opportunity. Well, now, this is almost perfect timing to establish the the Patient Advocate Alliance. Dr. Grude, how did this come about? Well, you know, um, I had the fortunate, uh, the good fortune to uh, to get to know Tammy, and, and uh, I do some consulting for her, and I, I had the opportunity to read some of her depositions, and I learned that she was into patient advocacy, and that's something that I've always been interested in. And, you know, as a doctor, you're doing it all the time anyway, but for your own um, patients. But patient advocacy is really is, is a really important field because so many people aren't either getting the care that they need or there's some um, pitfalls that, that, that happen in the course of their treatment because doctors are either not talking with each other or they're in different systems. They can't read each other's notes. Um, things fall through the cracks, and if you don't have someone who's advocating for you, sometimes you don't know the lingo and the terminology to be able to ask the right questions, and um, and you don't really get ideal care as a result. Sometimes that can actually have bad outcomes. So she and I started talking, and we decided to um, to start uh, Patient Advocate Alliance together. And Tammy, is that sort of Part of what Dr. Grude mentioned, he was reading in some of your depositions. He was sort of seeing this as something you're extremely passionate about. How is it that your trajectory led you to patient advocacy? Well, this is something that I have done for years, and I do it for friends and family. And it's something that I think really is important because I really believe that an educated patient is an educated consumer. And when uh, Justin was reading some of my deposition transcripts, he goes, this is something I've always wanted to do. And I said, well, I would love to do it, but I don't have the wherewithal myself just to do it. And so maybe uh, working together, we can put our brains together and really lend something that's going to be good 
for patients all over the United States and said just a select few really educate people and so they're educated consumers and helping them know what questions to ask, knowing what is important as far as their medications. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about medications because, you know, there's there's good things and bad things about the way medicine goes. You know, previously, I remember the days when we would expect patients to bring in a bag of their medications and we would take a look at it, write it down. We would know exactly what they're on and they would be able to describe for us the color and how often they take it. But boy, if they didn't bring those pills, we kind of went by an old list and we might not be 100% clear. So that required patients to bring actual pills. Now, people can lose things, and that lends itself to its own difficulties. And now electronic medical records, we have a list of medicines, and we assume that people are taking them, we order them, and we renew them, and we just assume everything's going just the way we expect. But in the real world, what's happening out there? What I feel very strongly about and what I see in my day-to-day practice as a nurse consultant is that there are many electronic health records out there, but there's many of them that do not talk to each other. And just as a personal example, my husband here on Big Island has a cardiologist, he has a primary care doctor, and he has a doctor that helps with his hemoglobin, hematocrit, his red blood cells. And all three of those doctors have their own electronic health system, but none of them are tied together. And so, you know, personally, and again, this is where talking to Justin after he had read my deposition transcript, my husband is on seven medications. If he was in a bad accident and could not recite them himself, I am a nurse. I think I would have a hard time to be able to actually articulate the medication, the dosage, and how many times per day. And so I was coming up with the idea of let's do a card, just a medication card that you put behind your driver's license and your insurance card. Because as a nurse working in the ER, that's the first thing that you go to is a person's wallet to find out, you know, what's their name and do they have insurance, blah, blah, blah. And so Our idea is to have that prescription card so everyone knows what person is taking active because what we'll do is update this as any medications would change, which they frequently do. And Justin and I just had the opportunity with one of our colleagues and a patient here on Big Island that had a subdural hematoma. And fortunately, one of the neighbors thought to grab the medications and take it up to North Hawaii with him. And it's a good thing they did because they airbagged him over to Honolulu to Queens as subdural hematoma and need to be a craniotomy. And he was on Eliquis. If they had not seen that, they waited three days to do surgery because there's no... Uh, there's no way to reverse. There's no way to yeah. reverse Eliquis, which is a blood thinner. That's right. And so they had to wait three days where if they had just done surgery, he probably would have bled out immediately. So it kind of gets to the idea of, you know, you mentioned the electronic medical records don't speak to one another. In this day and age, the physicians don't all get together in a doctor's lounge. They're in all different offices. They don't necessarily speak to one another. 
And, you know, then the patients don't necessarily have their own access to every separate electronic medical record to update their medicines. And I think there's this somewhat of a disconnect. The doctors who are prescribing their particular medicine might be very well versed in what the side effects are, but then add another medication to it that someone else is prescribing. And all of a sudden, all that responsibility gets transferred to the patient who, as you illustrated, might be in a situation where they have a brain problem, like a a bleeding in their brain. And so we can't expect them to be of their full capacity as well. So it's really illustrated one of the major gaps. And I think, Dr. Grude, I'm sure you've seen some of the literature, medication errors cause significant numbers of, of complications, of errors, of hospitalizations, and even deaths across the United States each year. It's actually a pretty impressive number. I mean, there's it, just deaths alone, if you're not even looking at morbidity, which is kind of like adverse outcomes or bad things, but if you look at death alone, there's over, over 200,000, well over 200,000 in the United States, uh, deaths that, that are caused by the medical system. And of those deaths, um, more than half of them are caused by medications, whether it's medication error or some type of, uh, you know, of interaction that was sometimes it's not possible to know that someone will have a, you know, a, a really severe reaction, such as an anaphylactic reaction. But, but a lot of these, um, are not just the deaths, but the morbidity and mortality um, are preventable by just having a really clear record and account of medications between doctors and also between pharmacists. It's one thing that we overlook, that people use different pharmacies to fill different medications for a number of reasons. And um, so pharmacists, when they're filling um, a medication, they're, they routinely, if they're well-trained, they're supposed to, to uh, run interaction profiles. They're supposed to make sure that it's safe to be uh, dispensing um, the, the, the combination of medications that people are taking. And, you know, people are, um, you know, they're, depending on um, what age group you're, at, you're in, um, they're, uh, the statistics show that, you know, that the number of prescribed medications per year increases as we get older up until, I, I want to say, I think average of 15 to 18 prescribed medications per year in the um, 70s and 80s in terms of, uh, of age. So um, we are, you know, older Americans are taking a lot of pharmaceuticals and from different pharmacies and different doctors, and it's very confusing and it's actually very risky, but it's a, but it's a, it's a preventable uh, problem for the most part. It's something that we, when, when we first thought of the medication card, Kathy, we were thinking, well, you know, this is a really simple thing. I mean, is this, is this something that, you know, we, we really want to do? Is it really going to help people? I mean, people can just write out their own medications and stick it in their wallet. You know, how are we really adding value to somebody by, by making a medication card? We thought, you know, it's so simple, but it's not. It's something that most people don't do. And we thought, this is a, by doing it through our company, people can go into our website and they can type in their medications, and they can do it for their loved ones, not just for themselves. They can do it for their parents, for their spouse, for the kids, for their brothers and sisters. And so we felt like, you know, this is, okay, this is a good service. It's valuable. All right. Well, we're going to talk some more about that service in just a moment. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio, and we are talking with Dr. Justin Grude and Tammy Rockholt, and they're spearheading the idea of patient advocacy. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about why having a medication card with you is potentially could save your life, and what are some of the other advantages to having your own patient advocate. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. 
Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Health, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu co-working. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio, and I'm talking with Dr. Justin Grude and Tammy Rockholt, and they're both strong advocates for patients and things that we can do to keep everyone safe. Now, right before the break, we were talking about a medication card, and Dr. Grude, you mentioned that it's available through a website so that somebody who's tech-savvy could potentially have one of these created for their loved ones. So this is a process by which if the medications change quickly, the card can also be updated and changed. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And so what is the advantage to having having this particular card? Is it just convenience? Is it laminated? Is it something that has dates on it? Is there so I mean, because I think, you know, my handwriting, if ever I had to write something down, no one's going to be able to read that. In fact, half the time I can't even read that. So to have a handwritten something in my wallet is great for someone who's a cryptographer. But other than that, it would be kind of difficult. So what are some of the advantages of putting it on a card per se? What the advantage is, and this is what our thought is, is like I was going back to my husband earlier, he has several different doctors that are all on different electronic health records. So what we're going to do is take the medications and, first of all, put the allergies up at the top in red and then list the medications, how many times per day you take it, as well as the dosage. And it will be a set of 10 cards that we will send to you and, or to the patient, and so they can have one in their wallet. Their spouse can have one, depending on their age. Their children can have one. But then also when they go to the cardiologist or the hematologist, they can take that card with them and say, these are my current medications. So everyone is on the same page of what the medications are at that point in time. And what is, wait, I think someone else and I'm not sure if you did or Justin said, you know, medications do change. And so we will update that so that it is real time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to be amazing. And I know that I'm really excited about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we want, we want it to be um, some type, you know, medications are dynamic. They, doses change. People um, are switched onto you know from one thing to another. Um, there's you know additions and, and you know omissions, and I think that um, you know we, what we want is we want people to be able to have access when they have the service to be able to come back, and you know when they make a change, they can just type in their little change and they'll get a new set of cards. So we want this to be very uh, user friendly. You don't have to be uh, extremely tech savvy. You have to be able to type into a computer. It's very straightforward, uh, and um, uh, and and you know, we want it, we, we don't want it to be, um, you know, cost prohibitive. We want to really make it accessible to people. And we would like the, some of the revenues from the car to go into some of the other aspects of patient advocacy that we'll probably make into a nonprofit at some point. But we'd like to be able to do some of the, some of the patient advocacy work that is probably going to be cost prohibitive to a lot of people um, and fund that through the medication card. Now, that's the other thing that I found on your website was really interesting because based on the background that both of you have, the other area where I think it's a it's a big mystery is medical bills. I mean, if you've ever had a medical bill and you've seen it and you go, what's this eligible charge? What's this other write-off amount? What does this mean, facility charge? There's a lot of questions, and that's just on a simple bill. That's not even 
complicated hospital bills or the types of things that you might see for something that, you know, is an extended hospital stay. Tammy, what sort of ways can that actually be addressed? Particularly when I think about some folks who, you know, they might be in a situation where they may not be employed, they might lose their insurance, they might have to start paying for some of their care. And, you know, the rates that are often given as cash rates are much different than what insurances negotiate. How can that be addressed? It can be addressed very, very easily. And in fact, Justin, um, my husband, Michael, and myself, we actually just did a presentation for Waikoloa seniors here on Big Island. And part of it is knowing what is the real cost of medication or what is the real cost of a hospitalization. And there's a lot of free resources that are out there, and I am so amazed at some of the technical expertise that some of these uh, seniors have. And like the average hospital on Big Island, they bill X amount, but the amount that they actually collect on an average, and this is not including any bad debt, is 30%. So does that tell you something that what they're billing is not reality? And so I give patients tools that they can work with how to negotiate, and it's amazing the outcomes that they are getting. I think what what Tammy is is trying to say, and and she's a nationally recognized uh, medical billing expert, and she travels around uh, uh, as an expert witness in, in trials and depositions and and uh, she's very, very sought after in this specific field, and she, she knows an incredible amount um, about this. And what, what, I, what she's trying to say is that uh, a medical bill is not exactly like getting a, a bill for a product, like, you know, you go and you buy a bathing suit and you get a bill for it. A medical bill is a bill for services, and services are highly uh, variable in terms of region of the country, region of even the state, of what those services are billed for. Um, and, and this is all published um, it's public information. Any uh, health, any hospital that is billing to Medicare um, has to publish annually the information of what they actually bill and what they collect. And so what she's saying is that it wouldn't be fair to say that a, um, a hospital is going to collect 30% from an insurance company but expect a patient who is not insured to pay 100% of their services. It just wouldn't really be fair, and, um, and it would be price gouging, essentially. And so Tammy is a hardcore advocate for people explaining to them and teaching them how did it, how exactly you're supposed to step-by-step negotiate with healthcare facilities so that you are empowered to get to, to in, enjoy uh, costs that are in the in the fair ballpark of what other payers are paying. And medications is another thing that is very much just uh, and there's a website that is ParamountRx.com that gives the medication of what pharmacies in your local area, you can type in five miles from your local home of what they're charging. And one of my patients who was 75 was just getting married again, and he wanted some uh, Viagra for his wedding night. And here on Big Island, the price for generic Viagra for the same number of pills same dosage varied from, I think it was $160 up to $1,400. 
Well, we're going to talk some more about that website so folks can can advocate for themselves and take a look and see what's out there. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Tammy Rockholt and Dr. Grude from the Patient Advocate Alliance about what are some of the resources that they share with the folks that they, they help out and what are some other things that might happen in the future that will really help to spearhead advocacy and make this go hopefully island-wide, if not nationwide. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors The Rice Partnership and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio. And on the line, I have Tammy Rockholt and Dr. Justin Grude, and they are both strong patient advocates and have developed the Patient Advocate Alliance. And today we're talking about ways in which people can empower themselves to know more about what's going on with their health care. At the top of the hour, we are, or at the top of the half hour, we talked about medications and why it's so important to have an accurate list to know what you're taking, what supplements, what interactions there might be. And then we talked a little bit about medical billing. Now, you mentioned a website, Tammy, that people can go to to see what the cost is of their medications. Is that just generally for those who have to pay cash or could this also help those who have insurance as well? It can help those that have insurance as well because oftentimes the copay at different pharmacies can be different. And so that's why, you know, uh, not so much here in on Big Island, but when I lived in Portland, I actually went to two different pharmacies because one of them, my copay was like 60% less than what it was at another pharmacy that I got most of my prescriptions filled at. And what I also just want to share with you is there is also a website that is put out by Fair Health that is a transparent website for people to know what doctors are charging in the local area. And it makes you, the patient, in a power of strength as well as educated. If you can say for these CPT codes, it uh, looks like 50% of the doctors are billing this price And so I think that I should be paying this amount. And so let me give you those two websites. Are you ready? We're ready. Okay. The one for pricing of any medical procedure is www.fairhealthconsumer.org. So that would be www.fair.org. H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O-N-S-U-M-E-R dot org. Okay. The one for medic the one for medication is Paramount Rx.com slash main slash drug pricing. And so I'm going to spell it out. P A So you can just go to the the uh, the um, Paramount rx.com and from there you can navigate to uh to uh pricing drug pricing right. whatever yeah and so it's p-a-r-a-m-o-u-n-t-r-x.com that's right now a lot of this requires that patients kind of 
become their own advocate. They have to sort of empower themselves to make these decisions, take a look at things, particularly those that are financially savvy or cost conscious, that they really want to make sure they get the most appropriate pricing for different procedures. But for those people who are just sick with complicated medical conditions, they often have a whole different need. And they might be seeing a variety of different specialists or have such significant medical conditions that they require some additional help whenever they go to see providers. I don't know if anyone's had the experience of asking their loved one, so what did the doctor say? And it's kind of like kids in school. (laughs) What did you learn today? Nothing. What did the doctor say? Nothing. I'm fine. So that may not actually be the case. Uh, Dr. Grude, where do you see advocacy going? Do you think that at some point we sort of need to focus on, even with this complex medical system like patient navigators? Right. I mean, that's uh, the million-dollar question. We, you know, we've asked ourselves, well, you know, how many people are we going to actually be able to help? And even if we hire, like, you know, a staff of 500 people and become, you know, a large company, you know, you're still um, not going to be able to help everybody out there who needs to be helped because, you know, we have a, a huge country and there's a lot of, there's a lot of need out there. Um, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a really complex and even complicated healthcare uh, landscape in, in, you know, our privatized healthcare system. So it's very complicated. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're, where we would like to go, and I think where we see patient advocacy going is in empowering individuals with the tools um, that they need to be able to help themselves. Um, and some, you know, more, the more extreme cases will actually, you know, require, um, you know, a, a, an actual human being, patient advocate, um, to, um, to, you know, intervene or be involved in some way. And there's different levels of involvement as in patient advocacy. But the first level... Um, would be to, uh, to you know, through our website or through some other sources, lots of resources actually out there, to be able to um, figure out what are the right questions to ask in a given scenario when you go to the doctor. What's important to do? You know, reminders. Oh, here's your checklist when you go to the doctor. Did you bring this, this, and this? Um, you know, can you ask your, your doctor to call your other doctor and talk about it? Um, you know, making those kinds of formal requests um, mean a lot. They carry a lot of weight. And um, so, you know, I, 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 th- I see it going in, in more in an automated way um, where people get information without actually having the, the human contact with a patient advocate and then it, having a sort of a gradated, you know, a level of complexity where you need to actually involve a person where somebody like me and Tammy would get involved. Uh, we have a colleague that is actually the president of the Waikoloa Seniors that was very short of breath, she went up to the hospital and she had fluid on the lungs, got some Lasix, and they were going to discharge her. And her niece was with her and I was texting with the niece and I said, she can't go home. What caused the shortness of breath? What caused the fluid on the lung? And I said, she needs to have an echocardiogram. It turned out that her mitral valve was flapping in the wind. She was immediately airbacked over to Honolulu to Queens. And so if she had just been discharged home, which was going to be what the plan was, she probably would not be here today. And that was you um, intervening through text. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, there's different you know, media for, uh, for patient advocacy. I, apparently text messaging is one of them. <laughs> 
just just when we thought we didn't need all this technology on the phone, it's almost like we can't live without it. So it certainly sounds like there's a lot of information out there that there are tools for people to take a look at, empower themselves, and see how they can utilize these resources. If they wanted to hear more about the Patient Advocate Alliance, uh, Dr. Grude, where could they go? All right, so we um, we set up a website. We put a lot of heart and soul into it, and it's it, it's an evolving process because we're a relatively new company. So the website um, we're very proud of, and it's also going to be getting better and better every day because we're putting more and more into it. It's uh, uh, www.patientadvocatealliance.com. So, again, uh, patientadvocatealliance.com. There are a number of other websites that look and sound very similar. Um, um, we have a logo that is PAA. That might help you. And also, you know, if you go to the About page, you can read about us and you'll recognize our names and, and our stories. But on that website, we also uh, are very proud that we have a, a very comprehensive uh, corona, coronavirus page that has a lot of very, uh, you know, a lot of um, up-to-date information uh, from authoritative, um, you know, sites and, and links to other resources that are, you know, authorities in, um, in you know, the infectious disease world like the CDC. Um, All right. Well, and people need to know where to go to get good information. Thanks for doing that. We'll talk again next week about more about health topics. Thanks to David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you then.